0: Hey everybody, this is Dr. David Proden uh, going live here for Safety Doc Podcast. let me check a few things here. Um, This is actually an impromptu Safety Doc Podcast. I have to adjust some lighting. Um, Not really set up down here for for this, but in the North Star Recording Studio. Uh, But we have some very important developing information uh, that we're going to address tonight. So first of all, Jim... Nick, hey, can you guys hear me okay? Can you make a post over in the chat if I'm coming through okay? All right. I think I'm going to temporarily move my arm down. There we go. Good. Audio is fine. Great. I appreciate that. Good. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Uh, thanks, Jim. All right. I'm coming through visually. Okay. Got the old spotlight on here. So. Right folks, so just bear with me for a, a moment as I take care of a few settings here, but uh be, be well worth your time. Right, kind of foggy day, by the way, here in Wisconsin. So, um, forty-three degrees. All right, yeah, Jim, thanks. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, forty-three degrees, very foggy today in Wisconsin, which is unusual. But um, all right, what I'm doing is just getting a final uh, tweet out right here, and uh, all right, good. Okay, folks, so what I'm gonna do is respond to you in the uh, chat room, and then I've also got, um, I have some emails that came in um, that I need it to respond. So r- I'll respond to you um, during this. So um, So obviously why we're here tonight is we have a rapidly developing very uh, much unprecedented situation with the coronavirus. And I want you to know, uh, so my credentials as a, a retired school administrator, as somebody who teaches, aspiring um, principals, Uh, Directors of Special Education, uh, somebody who has worked uh, with and in emergency management. Um, There are things which are happening right now that to me um, are unprecedented and I want to, I don't like to do what's called um, projected benchmarking or look at kind of one disaster I guess to another, but I'm gonna do that today right at the start here and kind of look at how some things unfold on 9-11 in lower Manhattan versus how things are unfolding right now with the coronavirus, because there are significantly different um, different responses, different ways that decisions are being made, different ways that communication is going out, um, which right now are much antiquated. I mean, it's not nearly as smooth as it was on 9-11. And this is an area that I had studied in my book, School of Airs, Rethinking School Safety in America. I work with the Department of uh, Planning in New York. Um, so this is something that's in my wheelhouse. I know about this. But um, let's talk about where we're at right now. So we are seeing decisions made specifically in in education, um, K-12 settings and post-secondary at a rapid, unprecedented pace. When I did my podcast on March 3rd when I was a guest on The Mallard Report um, with Jim Mallard, M-A-L-L-I-A-R-D.com, The Mallard Report, I was talking about how I thought things would would play out in the K through twelve setting, and actually, a lot of that act has happened. Um, how schools would close, how one school would cause another to close, and so forth. Um, but we're at a point now. I I wasn't looking at post secondary during that presentation, um, and actually, I did a podcast uh, on March 9th. I wasn't looking at post secondary, but I instruct in post secondary, and what is happening now is is completely again unprecedented universities shutting down and saying we're going to go to an online format. Students need to get out of their dorms. And Nick, I know you're following this right now. This is ab- absolutely um, crazy for, for these types of announcements to come out with these very short time frames. And there are you know no input from the, the end users. It's kind of very minimal um, attempts to support people who are put into very precarious positions. So again, we have decisions being made, if we back up in 72 hours, decisions being made um, at paces, which I've never seen before. So what's, what is, what's driving this? Well, I think it's obviously fear driven. Um, and we also just do not have clear, steady communication and also redundant communication. So when 9-11 happened, okay, September 11, 2001, in New York City, in lower Manhattan, obviously the financial uh, district, 500,000 people were evacuated safely off of lower Manhattan in nine hours. And there's a few reasons that happened. One is we have very clear communication. Uh, what was happening that the buildings had been attacked uh, where people needed to go. And then every hour there would be a repeat of what had just happened. So people who are tuning in, they could immediately get up to speed. So, and back then, remember, we had flip phones and at the best, we were texting each other. and you're probably you know watching this um, you know on there was no mobile device. you're sitting in front of a TV or sitting in front of a computer doing refresh. But there was something at work back then and I wrote about it in my book called The Transference Dynamic. So the transference dynamic, um, and this is this is interesting because right now we're seeing the transference dynamic play out. Um, the transference dynamic basically means, in a nutshell, how we were raised, okay, what, when we were raised, what fears we had um, that kind of dictate our decision-making later on. So here's, a, here's an example. So on 9-11, most of the people um, who were evacuated on 9-11 were in their early 40s. So they had participated, or they were alive during the time of, of the you know, Cuban Missile Crisis, during the time of the Cold War. With Russia. So there was always this external enemy and there was always this thought that the government would step in and help you in a time of crisis. So when the towers were attacked, people kind of went into this mode of transference dynamic, believing that there would be this rescue and these boats that just showed up because Admiral Loy of the Coast Guard gave a command, anybody with a boat show up and rescue people off of lower Manhattan. And people figured it out, right? They worked the problem. But it was this transference dynamic because the reason people weren't climbing over everybody and fighting everybody um, along Battery Park trying to get onto boats. It was very orderly because people already had this in their mind from when they were young that if we get attacked, the government will um, respond and and help us. Right. That's that's how we have been inculcated. Now, what's happening right now and we look at especially the the younger generation, they haven't been through that. Right. We had the. Um, you know, the Cold War has, you know, been over for, for 20 years. Enemies are very nebulous. I mean, we've had terrorism in an enemy like a, a pandemic, a virus. I mean, you can't objectify it, right? So we don't have this transference dynamic at work, and this just amplifies people's panic kind of through the roof right now. So that's something much different than what we saw on 9-11-2001 in lower Manhattan. Was interesting then is we also had this kind of temporary autonomous zone or TAZ that formed for nine hours and people just did what they need to do. Boats would kind of move in, move out um, to get people off of lower Manhattan successfully, right? In nine hours. We don't have any type of temporary autonomous zones coming together now. I mean, there isn't any group that that's coming together to, to help people in a, a certain area. It's very fragmented. If anything, people are being told to isolate. So it's it's a very different feel than 9-11. We also had a relatively quick bounce back of the supply chain after 9-11. And I don't think that's the case happening right now. Um, but let's go back to communication, right? So 20 years ago, 9-11, you know, 19 years ago, but. Um, We had much better communication. It was clear from the federal government what was happening, state government, local levels of what was happening. And the part that people forget with 9-11 is that as this rescue is going on of 500,000 people from lower Manhattan, they still believe this is an active event, okay? They don't believe that this is over. They believe that there's going to be another wave of planes or that the harbor is mined Or, you know, what else is going to happen? So in that regard, it's similar to what we're going through right now. Nobody is thinking that this is a completed event. If anything, it's being portrayed that this is just the beginning of something which is going to grow with magnitudes. But if we go back, actually, to 9-11, when people are being rescued from the harbor after the Twin Towers um, have been attacked, in that moment, people thought that that was the onset of something which was going to be significantly greater and you know, might play out over weeks, if not months. I mean, that we could possibly be in line for you know an attack. So those regards again were kind of similar, but it's very strange, very awkward right now that we don't have clear communication from a federal level or from a state level um, counties. This is it's very very choppy. It's it's not coordinated at all. We don't have a, a, a jump in from. For example, FEMA, National Guard. I think that's all preparing to happen. but um, this is this is, again, it's it's very unusual because usually people would get together at, at the federal government, you know, state level, and they would have a clear message. They would have a clear um, place that that message would be released, and you'd be able then to go back and reference it. Um, and that just isn't the case. And we don't even have clear communication right now on exactly how is this uh, virus spreading, right? We don't even have a very distinct um, you know, panel discussion, for example, on that. So in my book, School of Errors, and not promoting the book during this at all, but I talked about something, something called a social contract. And we have right now, um, something is playing out right now in this moment of social contract, meaning that we have, um, you know, government taking more and more control of whether it be um, attending events, whether it be flights, commerce, things like that. Um, and then the question is, uh, how much of that do we, how much of that is restored when this event is actually done? Um, after 9-11, the social contracts significantly changed. I mean, with what we were giving up for, um, quote unquote force for safety and security. That was an exchange for having, you know, our emails being accessed, uh, you know, uh, phone calls, things like, like that. Not to go conspiracy theory here, but definitely, um, we know after 9 I mean, just look at our plane tickets. We now have additional, you know, ways that we have given up some of our, um, some of our protected rights. So, um. Here's here's what is likely going to happen for school. So we've seen the university settings uh, close and say they're going to go online. And of course, they're saying we have formats to do that, like we have online formats. And that's true. Most universities already offer every face-to-face class has an online component. So, But it's a massive amount of work to take a class this state. I mean, midstream, I, you know, I teach at the university level, to take a class and to move it up. Um, so yeah, OK. So Nick Nick in the chat, uh, Nick Shulander, our good friend um, in the chat, had said, uh, funny, you should bring that up, Doc. Uh, the governor here in Washington just placed a ban on events with more than 250 attendees. So yeah, so Nick, this is that whole social contract. And what's the science of saying this will do any good, right? Where, where did that number 250 come from versus you know 1,000 versus what if it's 250 attendees, and they're, they're spread out in an outdoor setting, um, I mean, this is, this is just insane that all of these arbitrary figures are being put together. Um, So, and how do you enforce this? Okay. How do you enforce this? So what, what we also need to be aware of is, is let's say that any of us um, get identified and we are put under a quarantine, maybe a self quarantine, right. For 14 days. And you're told to go out with protective gear. So you know, what if you venture out in society, society, right? You go out and you do something and you don't have your protective gear on. Um, what What is that going to look like, not only from an ethical standpoint of in possibly infecting others, but, you know, people, it's easy. The government knows where you're at with your phone. They know where you're at with your vehicle and your GPS tracking. They have surveillance cameras. They can see you didn't have the protective devices on you could be open to civil um, lawsuits. We're going to see a ton of that when when all of this is done, right? So we're going to have this, this whole voluntary quarantine thing. That's not going to work. And that's going to have to be moved to a mandatory quarantine. Um, and again, you know, if, if people think that they're going to be able to, to work around that, that just simply won't be the case. And I would say that this is going to be upon us within the next, um, you know, maybe seventy two hours we're we're going to start seeing this this implementation. I, I know this is kind of crazy to talk about, but we talked I talked seventy two hours ago about things that um, I thought would have played out over weeks and now they played out literally over just a handful of days. But again, this whole thing of voluntary so Sean, Sean, thank you for your um, question in the in the chat and thank you um, for keeping the chat lively. Does this include businesses such as Walmart and Costco? Yeah, I think absolutely, right. Um, because the other part of this is their legal firms will be telling them if you, um, have gathering sites, I mean, you're going to have these weird conflicts, which will suddenly come into place right now. The state is saying you can't gather more than 250 people. Well, you probably have that many people or more in a Walmart at any time. So I think you're going to see this, this limiting of people in and out and realistically, I mean, what kind, what type of, um, I mean, are you going to to screen people as they come in and out? Or are you going to do orders where people are going to pick things up? And then who's going to be working at Walmart and Costco who, and not calling in sick, right? Who's going to continue these jobs, these essential jobs? I mean, right now at this moment, fire departments all across the country and police departments are meeting to say, what do we do if we have, you know, 50% of our people unavailable in the next 72 hours because schools have been canceled, they need to stay home with their, their kids, or um, they've been assigned to essential areas, like, they're, you know, um, whether it be, um, you know, police departments and into more um, high-priority, you know, um, areas where they have to patrol or if they're just responding to, you know, emergency calls of medical or accidents and everything else kind of gets pushed into secondary. I can tell you there's meetings happening right now at this moment in large counties across the country. Meetings that started just about an hour ago. And what they're, what they're doing is determining what their essential services are. Uh, meaning, you know, we have to keep the water tower running. We have to keep police and fire uh, going in our EMS. And that's where the priorities are going to be as some of these secondary services are just going to be, um, be, be gone. You know, are we going to have the DMV open? I highly doubt it, right? I, highly, I I, believe we're going to have this list coming out in a very short amount of time. So let's see. Nick, what do you think makes this more serious than the other outbreaks? So here's the thing. Um, I don't necessarily, it's hard to look at this and just from the numbers say that this is more serious. Um, I don't want to say that it's not serious, but. You know, if we look at tuberculosis in in um, you know India every year, and and if we look at how MRSA was in 2014, and the fact you know that we really had no way to to get a handle on that, but there's so you talked about Zika or Ebola, yeah, this is similar, right? It's similar in those those themes, um, but what I think is 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 different right here, obviously, is the way that people are making well one is is the the way that they're testing for it. I mean we weren't testing for Zika or Ebola in where I'm at Wisconsin but this is this is a media narrative um, it's also a government narrative um, I so I don't really understand that that's where we have to come together and write we ask kind of what is happening behind the scenes with with what is happening right now um, uh, and not, again, I don't want to go down this conspiracy w- road, but um, this is, again, it, it's so unprecedented. And let's just take a look at the universities. So if the universities where students, okay, you know, if you're in that 18 to 25-year-old range, your likelihood of having serious complications from the virus are very small, right? Very small. But the reality is um, you know, think about it from a university perspective. So they could either, wh- I guess, why wouldn't a university say, we're going to, you know, keep this, keep these dorms, keep housing available to you because then we can get resources to you? Um, it, it, so it's really strange on that part because universities are completely out of sync with K 12, right? If a university is saying, you have to go online and you can't be coming to school here. Um, but yet in that, di- in that school district where that university is, you know, in Massachusetts and Boston and all of that for Harvard, wouldn't it, it totally make sense then for everything to shut down K-16? Why would K-12, you know, why would you still have K-12 if you just shut down a lot of your post-secondary? So part of this is I believe universities are very aware that they don't want to have the liability of having to care for people um, who are in university housing. And I don't want to make that sound cold, or, or. but I mean, I think this is something that is being considered of, of universities looking at this and saying, you know, what, what if we do have a dorm that we have to put under isolation and now our university, you know, becomes a site of quarantine. The other part is we don't know with a FEMA response, and, and you look in FEMA plans at county levels, we don't know if some of these universities are already being identified as FEMA locations for emergency response. Um, Or if we're looking at what they're going to stage assets at some of these university sites, because once hospitals fill up folks, it's either universities or K-12 and it's mostly going to be K-12 settings, which would be identified as FEMA locations, National Guard would come in and take over those locations. I've been through that actually once and that was with a flood, but let me check the chat here. Nick, you wrote, in other words, why didn't we have quarantines or school shutdowns when those things were going around Zika and Ebola? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we didn't. It was nobody even talked about that or even you know where this was very uh, the hot spots. What was it, Texas and Florida. So you're asking the right question, why is the narrative different today? What is so significantly changed um, today? And even again, if we just look at where Zika was, in, in parts of Texas and parts of Florida, we didn't have this this ramp up of what is happening right now. So, um, Sean, you wrote H1N1 was one of the larger outbreaks I, I dealt with um, as a respiratory therapist. So yeah, respiratory therapist, um, I was a speech language pathologist, so I worked closely with OT, PT, and respiratory therapists. So yeah, H1N1, being you know a significant um, viral event which which impacted um, you know, lungs, and we didn't have this type of response um, to that. And actually, I mean, Sean, if you wanted to share more with that, um, but so it's it's this whole part um, of one just stopping and saying, why are things happening as fast as they're happening? okay? why why are these decisions happening? as fast as they're happening. And the second one is we are completely out of alignment with K through 16, meaning your K-12 schools and K through 16. So it's kind of what is happening right now at the college level, that completely will be replicated in the K-12 setting within the next 72 hours. Now what schools will say is we're not going to reconvene. uh, We don't know when we're going to reconvene school. Like we'll, um, you know, we'll go into, a, a we'll close school down, we'll go into online again. And that is much harder at a K-12 level than people imagine. Um, I teach face-to-face. I teach online. Online is, is much more time intensive. You have to remember, teachers don't at K-12 have this developed. Imagine, you know, second grade, fifth grade, um, just trying to put this online. That's going to be really frantic. People are going to be, uh, school districts will be taking guidance from their states and from the Fed, and it's largely going to probably be some kind of con Academy type of thing. There are programs already out there for um, migrant students. Um, some of those can be, be accessed in basically modules. If you look at how FEMA does their education, um, there are different FEMA courses. They're about two to three hours long in their modules. Now, those aren't for students, but I think what you're going to see is something similar to that that will be opened up to K twelve, and then students would be able to participate in that. So, you know, when they when we hear, you know, we're not going to have a, a definite um, return date. What you're basically hearing at this point, because it's March eleventh, is you're not coming back to school this year, right? There's there's that's really unlikely that that's going to happen. And once if you told people that right now, I think the, the panic would would rocket, right? So it's easier to say, well, we're going to close school, and then we're going to reevaluate in a week or two. But what would change in a week or two that would make you comfortable to open up schools again? Knowing at least what we've been told is a longer incubation phase right now with with um, the coronavirus, and also the fact of you know sanitizing because every time a kid comes in and out and people come in and out, um, and you know what's being transported you know through the products that we're buying that are coming on trucks and shipments, if the coronavirus can stay alive on hard surfaces, um, you know, like containers and things like that uh, for a long amount of time. And, you know, who knows how long on fabrics. I mean, those are the things that really should be like overtly stated. We should have that. And the fact, too, that we haven't had this ramp up in um, cleaning supplies, sanitizer and all of that, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that should be getting dropped off everywhere. We should have a FEMA National Guard response with that. And that should, be, that should be everywhere, right? I mean, it would be similar as we would expect expect after um, a hurricane has hit. So I worked closely with uh, Cajun Navy uh, Relief, Katie pashan talking about how the rescues worked. I had the podcasts with when the Bahamas got hit um, with rescuers who were on the scene down there. And it took a while, um, you know, to get water and things like that on the scene. But it's pretty rapid. And... Here, we can't get hand sanitizer that has been stored somewhere. It's not being brought in. I'm going to stores today. The stuff's not there. And it's not that it's been in stock and it's gone. It hasn't been in stock since last week. So there's something very peculiar with this. There's no way that we wouldn't be able to scale production and get these things out or essentially out and say, you know, you're limited to to one a person. I mean, my God, in my town, when it's winter, you know, they put sand at the end of every road in a big bucket that you can haul up and sand your driveway. It's that type of stuff. It should be actually delivered by the post office, right? It should be delivered by the post office. Um, imagine, I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it make sense that a, a small bottle of Perel um, hand sanitizer gets loaded on, you know, with every postal vehicle and it gets put in your mailbox? Uh, maybe, in the, and maybe that's done once a week for the next 10 weeks. I mean, these are things that actually come out of thoughtful, probably federal or state or even local level government that's not happening now. And I just don't believe that it's happening because it's disorganized. I believe there's more happening. Hey, Kat, um, thanks for joining in. I appreciate it. Let me go back to the the chat. Um, So um, Jim, listen to the money talk. The thing is, the thing that's really strange right now stock market can, continues to go down right the the 10 year treasury which was almost at 3% less than a year ago is what at about 0. 0.7 0.6% which is ridiculously low i mean unbelievably unbelievably low um, we have no safe haven for money if we also have an emergency declaration we're going to see um, we're going to see really how strong fdic is or we're going to have some suspension of fdic i've received information already from my banks, some of my primary banks within the last two hours, detailing out how banks might have limited access, not only to banking um, services, but banking funds. So these are things which are going to rapidly, rapidly develop. Um, So Jim, you were saying, um, so so look at where the money is. Yeah. But again, I agree with you fully. The money is weird, though, because the companies that we thought would be profiting from this, they're making the Lysol wipes and the sanitizers and some of those types of things and more staples, right? Things that we have to to live on, you know, oatmeal, utilities, things like that. Those stocks aren't doing any better. And at one point, gold was even going down, which was counterproductive because gold usually goes up during a time of crisis. So again, what this is saying is I believe there's some substantial external manipulation going on here with the markets, um, which is, I mean, just to be aware of, there's nothing for any of us right now. There's nothing for any of us. I I mean, we could be notified tomorrow morning that every 401k that you have, every 403b that you have, everything that you have in a government held account, including your, your bank, your savings and loan down the road could be froze. It could be froze for 30 days. They could say there's no transactions because, you know, if people start, you could have run on banks. You know, that's not out of the realm that we could actually have run uh, run on banks. So let me catch up here. Um, Sean, uh, Sean G. Chasing the Truth. Hey, Sean, thanks. Um, shipyards are almost vacant from what I'm reading from Seattle. Yeah, I'm hearing the same thing. Port of Baltimore, largely empty. Uh, some of the other significant ports, I'm hearing this firsthand from people in those areas that these ports are empty. Um, so again, we are not having things come in. It's one thing, you know, when it is the, the plastic toys, which are on the aisle at Walmart, it's a whole other thing, you know, when it is not, not only medications, but other vital things, um, that we count on for every day for everyday life. So there is, there's definitely going to be an, an exhausting of the supply chain of any built up inventory, which typically, you know, it exists for a period of time. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to see without a doubt, we will see shelves at, at Costco and Walmart and just our everyday stores become thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner because these items will not be coming in. There's also so much more demand for the critical items right now. Again, paper towels, toilet paper, hand sanitizer, things like that. So I'm not an alarmist. I'm not a panic type of guy. You probably, if you follow me, you know that I've actually never gone live with the show before I need it to do it tonight because I need to talk through some of this. I need to figure out what you're, what you're experiencing, what you're, um, you know, pulling out of this, because um, I've never seen this before. I'm 48. You know, I remember when the twin towers were hit, I remember coming home that night and there were lines for gas and they would give people like two gallons. And then that was it. And eventually gas was out and people were clearing off the shelves and I remember the bounce back from that. And it was just a different feel. We had different communication. It's not that way right now. Let me go back to the, to the chat. Um, Nick, how should we respond to chaos, uncertainty? Easy, you stick to the plan. And for God's sake, don't give people any discretion, right, Doc? Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, the thing is, one is, yeah, you, you, stick, you stick to the plan. And I think you, you, you have to know right now that what your options are. And make your own decisions, right? Not looking forward to somebody up above who is. Um, uh, all right, okay. Here we go. Um, one thing is, I don't think you can look external for people to to give you guidance. Now, of co- of course, you know things. You know, wash your hands and, and limit. You know your. But this is a time you really have to understand. Um, what your priorities are, your priorities, your family, your immediate family, the resources that you have. Um, because again, we are in very, this is unprecedented, this type of disruption in our currency and our supply lines. And then these decisions to completely you know, shut down universities and soon it will be K-12. So keeping those um, decisions. And then also, as Nick had pointed out, using your discretion, your, your gut instinct, your discretion on what to do. Okay. And again, knowing who is around you, kind of looking out for immediate family. Um, I'm not saying hoard a, a lot of things, but it does make sense, you know, to keep supplies and to to keep, um, you know, checking in with people. Um, so chintz, will spring change things? I have heard that the warmer air and moisture is detrimental to the virus. So I've actually heard that too. Now I can't say from A a medical standpoint, an epidemiology standpoint, that that's accurate, but that is congruent with what I've heard. Um, Also, the fact that, I mean, we'll just be able to get windows open. If we go back and look at how, like, tuberculosis and other contagious types of diseases, highly contagious, were treated, open air was was a a treatment um, which was more effective than when people were confined. We objectively know that. So for this to happen right now in the united states is better than this to happen in november when a large part of the country is going um indoors and in shutting down. so we so we do have that um in Nick Schulner Johnson Johnson having field day right now. Yeah. The thing is the the, the stocks aren't showing that though. Um, and he, so this this is where it starts to get really strange because you would think that, you know, stocks that have a vested interest in, you know, whether it be Lysol wipes and products or even a cure or, or, or a vaccine, I guess, or things like that, that those will be going through the roof, right? And that's just not the case. We have this overall widespread massive decline in the Dow, S&P, and Russell, um, NASDAQ, which is, it's, it's really unusual to see that. You'd, you'd see that you'd have some perennial winners that might come out of this. But I think part of it too is, you know, we've had this political statement of saying, should we, um, you know, if if a vaccine is is created, it would be made available to everybody for free. Well, then what's the incentive to make a vaccine? I'm not saying that you sh- we shouldn't make a vaccine, right? But it's almost like you'd want to come out and, and, and have almost this race to the moon of saying, you know, the first vaccine, you know, is going to get, you know, whatever. Um, a billion dollars or something like that. But then I guess people would say, well, then you're going to have people creating illnesses to, to create these vaccines. But, but, you know, we have to realize, um, and, and also priorities. I mean, what, why haven't we had an identified, you know, here are three companies and have them up in a panel testifying before the Senate, right? We, we have people testifying because if there is, uh, there's a school shooting, they're, te- they're having D Schneider, uh, or Snyder from Twisted Sister testify that rock and roll music is not causing school shootings. Why aren't we having emergency testimony right now with the epidemiologists in these organizations, along with the CDC, saying, here's how we're doing this. This is how we're, we're we're laying this out. We're not having that, though. We are not having that. So what's not being told to us, I think, conveys so much louder than what is being told to us. Um, Gallant gallstone. I'm sure that Maller was beating some serious... Ass down at the Costco to secure toilet paper for his ducklings. Jim thinks ahead. So um, let's look. Uh, Azuko Langley, I have a ton of toilet paper. I bought it on sale cheap at CVS before the bugaloo pick- kicked off. Smart thing. Um, you know, I, if you have things that you're going to use up, <laughs> Obviously, it makes sense to to stock uh, to stock those things. I, I just I think where we're at right now, things have been replenished. I think we're going to get to a point though where we're not we're not going to have replenishment of things in our stores because again, uh, we're not going to have people. I mean, if we have if we have quarantines that are imposed, you're not going to have truck drivers going across certain areas. You're going to have staging of I guess of assets or certain things that are coming in. Um, whether it be toilet paper, food, water, medicine, soup cans, whatever. And then those will be distributed. This is all very real on the table right now. Um, should I be- buy or sell stocks? Uh, Zuko? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't give advice on that. Um, but I, I am, I, I, I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. I expect the, there's so much uncertainty in the market. I don't know what's going to turn the market around. Right. What is what at an international level? What news right now is going to turn the market around other than somebody saying we found a vaccine for this and we can mass produce this and have it out like in whatever number of weeks. So um, I guess I'm looking and I just I, I I don't I don't know what would be an impetus to to do, um, to, to kind of turn this around. Um, let's see. Sean, uh, Chasing the Truth, Trump is doing a national address at 9 from the old Yep, I'm aware of that. So um, thanks, uh, Zuko, too late. I sold them all and bought cans of beans. OK, maybe not, maybe not a bad thing, right? Um, Paranormal Heart. I heard on the news today that places in Italy have closed business and schools. Do you think this could happen in the U.S. and Canada? If so, what would you suggest to people to prepare? So, when, yeah, I fully expect that schools will close. I fully expect that um, through K-12. And I think the first will be preschools. That'll be very rapid to shut down preschools because a lot of those are community-based um, So it's, it's much harder to, to invoke a standard. Yeah. All those sites are different. I mean, so when we think about schools, we have to think about brick and mortar schools that we kind of have in our mind, these community based preschools, hundreds of of thousands of those throughout the country, online schools, kids going partly online, partly in the school building, portable buildings, stuff like this. So um, I think parents need to be prepared, right? Of what happens if my kids um, don't have school, what if we get a notification and school's done for the rest of the year and it's going to be online in whatever format that is, um, how are we going to care for them? Are we going to be able to, to work with relatives so the relatives might be able to watch them if we're splitting some time between here and the office? The thing is, folks, I think we would have had time to deal with this if it would have been clearly communicated and laid out in front of us. There's nobody one week ago that thought literally, literally all of these post-secondary institutions, and Nick, you can say, all of these would shut down, right? Harvard would be shut down. Washington State would be shut down. Stanford, University of Wisconsin-Madison, that these are all shutting down. The NCAA holding their final four, their their 64-team tournament without anybody in the stands. The NBA, ten, they're playing their first game without anybody in the stands. These are things nobody saw coming. And this is a fact that things are rolling out at such a speed, right? We can't, I mean, it's like driving down the highway right now, 200 miles an hour in the dark with one headlight. That's what it's like. You just say, whoa, that happened. Whoa, that happened. Like nobody knows. And if we had some indication of where things were going, I think it would be obviously much, you know, we can handle that. But when these things are happening out of the blue, when things are happening today, like the rodeo in Houston, um, Texas, which had what, several thousand people if not tens of thousands of people attend and they got there and they literally shut it down right then all right i'm please do not or it's nice seeing you live david please do it more oh okay i thought you thanks cat i thought you said please don't move as much i'm kind of animate it right now um so yeah in houston texas today people showed up for a large rodeo and when they got there they shut it down so communication is a big problem who shut it down they didn't have any plans some people still went in and then they had to tell them they had to leave um how are, you know, so that's a rodeo. Now, you know, what if it is, you know, people going to a hospital and they say, you know, we're full, we can't get you in. I have people telling me that right now that they, in large cities, that they cannot get into hospitals. Okay. Um, so let me, let me take a pause here. Um, paranormal uh, or, or gallant um, gallstone, too bad. They don't make big johns, baked beans anymore, could live for a year off of them that awesomeness. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, people who did can good. So the last time I really remember that happening was um, in 1999 when everybody thought the computers were going to crash for the year 2000. I had several friends who bought bags of rice and water and all kinds of things and stored them because we thought, you know, everybody was was saying the computers aren't designed for two zero zero zero. We're going to have this big lockup and the electrical grids will go down and, and things like that. So people, you know, th- that though, people expected that. I mean, that's what they were being told by people who were computer engineers saying, I'm not sure, or software engineers, this could happen, but um, but people dealt with it, right? They, they dealt with it. Right now it's the unknown. I mean, it's the fact that we could wake up tomorrow and find the bike, banking system to be froze across the world. You can be told your ATM that you might be able to withdraw $100 a day that your kids are gonna be home from school. Imagine internet access, especially for rural, but I mean, internet access is gonna be going to a snail's pace because you're gonna have so many more people logging in online and you can only do so many things remote. I mean, you can't be a remote police officer. You can't be a remote firefighter or EMS. So these are, these are the type of things which are gonna place these unusual strains on our system that even in 9-11 when those strains were put on in lower Manhattan, for example, um, we got through it we handled it okay systems develop systems aren't developing right now we don't have that this is this is extremely different um so uh, let me let me go back to the the chat here uh azuko Langley my vacuum cleaner has a wheel coming off and I know I should replace it soon <laughs> should I buy a vacuum now before the chinese imports stop coming in um yeah I don't know well there, there was um there was a kid on um, the show with um, uh, something like America's Got Talent or anything. Is if any of you saw it, this kid who was infatuated, it's eight-year-old boy with old vacuum cleaners because they were all made out of metal and things like that. But, um, but no, I mean, I, I largely would expect, right? Any of us would expect that anything that's coming through imports, we know that our our ports of Baltimore san diego san francisco other ports are just um you know very sparse right now we just don't have things coming in um nick i bet the school districts you work with are getting uh, pitched for cleaning services yeah let me talk about this nick you're right on um and so the cd or or the federal government came out and i think it was also the fda but basically said listen there's nothing out there that is um that is proven to kill corona virus specifically And they issued warnings just in the last few days to seven companies. They didn't identify the companies. The federal government did saying, knock it off. Stop going to schools. What is happening around here right now? On the news, they're showing custodians wearing backpacks that they bought from some vendor, which are basically spraying out some disinfectant, which is ionized, right? So it sticks apparently to whatever you're doing. Now, most campuses are between a half million and a million square feet, like a school campus. So this is just ridiculous. It's it's to, to think that you're going through and disinfecting everything and then the kids come back in and now everything is, is fine. That's not the issue, right? Because the kids themselves, the staff might be the ones infected. The piece of mail that comes in, the box of food that comes in for your lunch, all right, might have virus on it because it was in a vehicle that had transported something else from somewhere else. So it's, it's just, this is really crazy thinking that that really will do anything right that that's that's going to be a remedy to this you'd really have to shut the building down for whatever that incubation time was for the virus just to sterilize the the building right just to sanitize the building and then the other fact is you know everybody the moment they return to the building hundreds of kids and and people from all over the building um, contamination happens again so yeah i've seen this it may it's the first thing on the news it's the first thing on the local news as they show the district which has just spent tens of thousands of dollars on all of this stuff which is not empirically proven and it's customer perceived value as our friend nick chulander in the chat has said customer perceived value customers believing that if you do this it's going to make you safer if we have these things if we have these germ zapping robots i wrote the article and it's back in um 2014 when MRSA was out Um, there, there was a company in Massachusetts, or or at least districts in Massachusetts, they were buying these robots called Gronks, G-O-R-N-K-S. And, uh, anyway, the, think of this three foot tall, like R2D2 type robot It's going around, they put in a classroom and it would like shoot these laser beams and other stuff. And then it would, it would basically sanitize the classroom through this process, which is proprietary. I don't know exactly what it is, but you can find it online. These things were a hundred thousand bucks a piece. The company that made them sold 350 just like that. Schools, nursing homes, gyms, things like that. Now, the fact is those weren't necessarily any more effective than a custodian with a, a bottle of, of bleach and water mixed together going around and wiping things down because you're still gonna have undersides of desk. You're sc- still gonna have a student that's gonna come in from you know, being at home and being exposed to, to different people and stuff like that. And that room is gonna instantly be contaminated again and it's we do have immune systems like we respond to stuff like this but these are easy cells um to districts who are panicking right now if somebody comes in and says listen you should do this um okay let me let me move paranormal heart thank well, yeah again cap things for uh nice uh, saying it's it's nice to see me live yeah I haven't done this before um it's just it would take too long to produce this and 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 get it out I just I want people who follow my work. I mean, it's a, a body of 120 podcasts that are at least an hour long with a blog post. So, you know, you know that I've done my due diligence on this. Um, Azuka Langley shut it down. So um, Nick Schulander, we don't exactly have a good track record of predicting when the world's going to end, do we? So yeah, right. I, I don't feel that way. Um, to, I, folks, I don't feel um, that, that the, some huge dire event is upon us. But I do feel that this this way of how we're responding to it and what's being communicated doesn't match at all what a clear protocol from FEMA or how we've done things in the past, especially just going back to 9-11, it doesn't match up to any of that. Um, Decisions are being made, I mean, super, super fast. And I mean, let's just think about Harvard, shutting down and saying to students, you basically have a few days. and then you have to, to, to get out. At least, I mean, that's what students are communicating who are going there in their tweets and social media. And I mean, this, this is just crazy. Um, so Asuko Langley, okay, I'll go out and buy a vacuum this weekend. All right. Yeah. Vacuum. i yeah. I mean, maybe that was a hidden, a missed endorsement for this show. Um, Nick, I've got a bridge to sell those districts. Yeah. And Nick, I mean, Nick knows it well, marketing and also engineering, but, um, you know, someone who's worked in marketing. But the thing is with marketing is this is happening so fast to districts that the marketers can't even really get in there and make their pitch and make their sell because the districts are already closing down, right? And a lot of these marketers are are being told to work from home. So this isn't even the, the opportunity for marketers to come into schools on this was maybe 10 days and then it shut down. So that's something also um, that, that is, you know, significantly going on. Um, Sean G chasing the truth will closing national borders, help the future spread of COVID-19. I don't, I mean, my opinion, right. So I would think it, it, if you're doing overseas flights from, you know, Italy and, and things like that, that, um, it's, it's kind of like how Hawaii approaches, you know, incoming flights, you'd have to have some massive, uh, decontamination or, you know, flying into a, maybe a base or something like that. But I just, I don't know, to me, if we're talking about closing borders, I think it would, right. It would probably be air travel that you would, that you would look at at closing down because you also have people in a a confined space for a large, long amount of time. If it's international travel, Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. I think just before I came on the show, we start to see some airline companies come out and say that they were restricting flights. Um, I would see, I would see, uh, countries like Japan jump on that right away of uh, saying, you know, we're going to restrict this, which will s- slow, I mean, global commerce down to a crawl for a while. Right. Um, okay. A paranormal heart. Those things look like ghostbuster proton packs. Yeah, actually you do. You look like a ghostbuster if you're going around with these things, uh, with these backpacks. And again, it makes the news it's customer perceived value and people, people want to get that, um, Nick, yeah, I work from home. So you're already ahead of the game um, on that, Nick. And actually, so, you know, what's happening right now, is this also going to restructure when this settles out? Are we going to see a massive restructuring in how people work? Are we going to have in the next one to two, three years, people working more from home? Are we going to have universities shifting more at home? I mean, is this, is what hap- happening right now, is that going to fundamentally shift these these dynamics? Um, you know, permanently? Will we never return to, you know, University of Wisconsin-Madison campus with 44 students on campus? That's very possible um, that that would change. Um, Azuko, I have a Remy Halo induct air purifier that ionizes hydro peroxide, kills viruses as you sneeze and they come out of your mouth. So cool. I mean, so what you have, like most people don't, right? And <laughs> most schools, I mean, 99% of schools don't have anything outside of, of a paper filter that they're that they're doing for their air filtration systems. Um, you know, and if we look at nursing homes and even hospitals have very limited um, negative pressure areas, meaning that the the air stays within that room. So, yeah, I mean, you're you're definitely um, um, ahead of the game with that. But our large you know, places, um, you know, even the post office. Right. Um, Places that we go to shop, they don't have this stuff in, in place. I mean, they're just not it's not part of the building code. It's not designed that way. It can't be retrofitted that way, especially in the timeline that we're talking. We're talking about things that are developing literally within hours. I mean, for what happened in the last 72 hours, I would have expected that to unfold within three weeks, not 72 hours. So this is where, you know, it, it's just mind-blowing. Um, Zuko Langley, or, or let me go back, uh, Gallant Gallstone Weapons. Azuko called my Springfield 1911 a grandpa weapon. It works fine. Time to get more modern with a nine millimeter, um, of some sort or old school is good enough to, to defend the, the rum. Well, certainly, um, you know, the proper mentality is going to increase. Um, and I, I guess I don't know, I don't want to go too much down, down the road into that, but, um, you know, any the the prepper websites and, and buying things and storing things and having, um, you know, resources available. Um, it's, you know, it's remember back in the 1960s, the house that I was raised in had a bomb shelter in the basement with 18 inch thick reinforced concrete and a blast door. And and we had it stocked with goods because you never knew if the Soviet Union was going to attack. I mean, that that was the mentality. Um Azuka Langley, we need robot workers so we can stay home and play video games. So, yeah, that's probably actually not too far down the road. Um, Nick Schueliner, while well, I was saving this plan for the zombie apocalypse, but I guess a um, uh, virus outbreak is close enough. Yeah. I mean, this is really, um, again, really unprecedented area that that we're in. Paranormal Heart, it was asked today on campus if the college could close down, um, if it should get worse here. That question seems to cause a lot of bit of stir in the class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually so so um paranormal heart um most students don't even have input into that discussion right they're being told it's shutting down it is it's shutting down and you have so many days to be out or it's shutting down you need to go online you're not driving in here we're do- we're doing no more in person classes so um I don't think it's a matter now of if. I think it's a matter of when. I think it will be ubiquitous with all universities. It will be ubiquitous all K-12. It's customer perceived value. It's social proof. It wouldn't make any sense to close down a few and not close down the rest. And we've already seen this. I mean, again, who would think the NCAA NCAA men's basketball tournament would play in empty stadiums? Who would think the NBA would start playing in empty stadiums? so this is this is really upon us. And again, people are thinking, well, you know, I'm going to go to my local Walmart, my local Costco. Who's going to be working those jobs when their kids are at home or they're thinking, I'm not going to be working here because I don't want to be infected by people coming through the door. What protective measures are we going to encounter when we go to these settings? Are you going to have so much you'd be able to order ahead of time and you'd have almost a drop off where you pick it up? This is where National Guard comes into play in FEMA and how all of these sites, you know, like schools that are closed down, universities that are closed down can rapidly um, become FEMA sites. When I say rapidly, when I participated in this, when I when I was in this as a school administrator, the site was taken over literally in four to eight hours. Meaning FEMA had everything on site. It was it was basically then under their jurisdiction in four to eight hours, and they had that building. It was a really eerie feel. Now I will say FEMA was tr- tremendous to work with, but I'm saying this would rapidly, rapidly scale. Um, parent, um Nick Schueliner, they never asked us anything before making the call. Yeah, they never, <laughs> and they never do, right, Nick? Um, But, the, and the thing is, they're not asking students right now, at least what I have been reading, um, they have not been asking students, how can we support you in a transition, Um, you know, if you're, if you can't be on campus, and maybe you don't live here, um, you live out of country or in a different area, how can we get you home? Um, how can we do things to support you? That's not happening at all. It is, We are closing on this date in good luck, which is absolutely um, counterproductive for what any FEMA plan would have that, you know, if you are if you're going to close, you have you lay out how you're going to close. You're supporting people through that closure. That's not what we're seeing. We are seeing decisions made and boom, you got to get the stuff out. The doors are going to be locked. You're going to have a login password. That's it. Um. Nick, uh, or uh, Nick, the only thing they're doing is surveying to see how many people need to be loaned laptops. tests. Yeah. I mean, right. If, if I'd be, and again, this whole thing of being educated online, it, it'll have more teeth at the post-secondary level. It's just not going to work effectively at a K-12 level. Not that it can't, not, not that the capacity isn't there. It's just that the curriculums have already been put in place for the year. You cannot take a class and simply convert it over to an online format. Um, it, it, you, it, in like a matter of days, and have that available. There's going to need to be massive concessions on a state level, massive concessions on a federal level. Students with disabilities, um, you know, you, you're not providing IEP-driven services, so it's just crazy. Um, okay, any other questions here in the the chat? I know that you know we've also have a, a national uh, presentation or, or coming up from our from our White House. Um, so, folks, I. I'm going to touch on a few things and and, I mean, please share these again. So I think what we're experiencing right now is happening at a pace. I couldn't have predicted even under a scenario of someone said, what would be the most extreme scenario, Um, David, where you would predict that universities would close, K-12 would close, you know, stores, other things that we would have travel restrictions domestically. And I would say that would play out over a matter of weeks and it happened in a matter of days. And now that it's started to happen though, it makes it easier for the next decision to happen. It makes it easier to to say, we're shutting down DMV. We're gonna suspend uh, postal. We're gonna, I mean, all of these things, which I think are completely on the table right now. I think all of these things are there. I wouldn't be surprised also if we see um, a stock market um, freeze, like after 9-11, where we have some days where the market doesn't open. And if we go back to the actual virus, you know, we still just do not know, we just do not have clear information provided to us in, in of exactly, you know, how this, how long this lives, um, how, for example, I went back early at the, the show and I think it makes a lot of sense. Why in the world don't we have um, every postal carrier, I mean, our post office getting bottles of Perel through, you know, whatever, you know, government agency can get a hold of these and get them in our mailboxes, right? And you're just saying, hey, when your mail is delivered um, every week, you know, on Monday, we are going to be putting that in a in a small bottle of Perel. Wouldn't I mean? Imagine the impact that that would have. And that system is already in place, right? That system is already there to reach everybody. But it's it's the fact that we don't have this kind of thinking going on, which is absolutely mind boggling. When we go to all these other extreme measures right now of of basically shutting things down, isolating. Um, it's just absolutely wild that we don't have this being distributed through existing distribution networks. Um, okay, heads up, you're closing in on the top of the hour. Uh, thanks, Jim. Um, Nick, they never asked us. Okay, the only thing they're doing is surveying to see many. Okay. So what I'm going to do, folks, is um, to respectfully uh, acknowledge your time. I'm going to uh, close this after an hour. Um, let me just finish out the chat room. Um, Azuko Langley, Israel has already developed a vaccine for COVID-19 that should be out in about six months. They're truly our greatest allies. So again, six months. So what do we do between now and six months and who's presenting this to us? Um, and how do you scale a vaccine? How do you prioritize a vaccine? What do you, what do, you do between now and then? So this is, this is, um, folks, I I am just go back to my first podcast if you have kids in school to kind of understand what's going on there. And um, you know, really, be safe. Um, the Johns Hopkins website information. You know, I haven't seen the CDC update it as it quite, le- or quite uh, free- as frequently, but um, I'm 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 absolutely just flabbergasted by the pace of what's happening right here. It's counterintuitive to how things work in emergency management. It's counterintuitive to what happened on nine eleven and how that temporary autonomous zone developed and how we handled that. This is completely different than that, and it doesn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, Nick, you also said the infrastructure to distribute a vaccine, right? That's where FEMA would come in, National Guard. Um, would we have school sites that we'd taken over? You'd be going into your school site to to you know get a, a vaccine. Schools already have parking lots, they have bathrooms, they have lunch areas. I mean, that's why these things would all be in place. So, and Azuko says, "I am eating beans for six months and playing video games." So. Yikes! That's good for a remote setting, not for a good in-person setting. Um, folks, please leave your comments um, down below. This is the first live stream I've done. Um, I've done 120 episodes of the, of the show, but it's the first live stream. It's just I. It's important information. I couldn't wait to get this out. Um, I hope this is, has been a benefit. If you could post um, down below, also if you're not following my show, if you could subscribe, I would appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would like to do more live chats. We did have a fair uh, turnout for this, considering this is the first one I did. And really sincerely, I want all of you to be safe, um, know your own priorities, know your own decision-making, because right now we just do not have any, um, any reliable, uh, national, international, or local decision-making that's, that's being made. I don't think anything is off the table. Um, I don't think anything is off the table right now, but you can, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your family. So, yeah, um. Nick, yeah, um, midterms, I don't know, man, I'm out of that. I am actually teaching a course right now. And fortunately, the course is online. Um, But I'm going to be checking in with my students, many who are school administrators, on how this is impacting them. So, yeah, Nick, thanks. Great show. I appreciate it. Down here in the North Star studio. Everybody, take care. Feel free to um, post down below. I'll respond to any questions that you have. Um, Again, take care, everybody. This is uh, Dr. David Proden the safety dock it is March 11th 2020 802 p.m chintz uh thanks so much azuko uh paranormal heart jim uh, mallard uh Nick um just let me give a, a quick shout out here um gallant gallstone um Sean Jeep just thanks thanks for being part of the show folks and yeah might, might hit the the subscribe button i would appreciate that and hit the hit the like um and take care i, I might have another one of these coming to you very soon